son is voting for Jack Cause he's got what all the rest lack Everyone wants to back Jack Jack is on the right track Cause he's got Hey guys, welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. It's Allison once again, and today is going to be short and sweet. I have a story that I actually posted a while back, but the majority of you probably didn't see it or zoom in to read it. It was kind of in like a comic book style kind of thing, and I think in the spirit of election time, it makes sense to tell it. So I'm going to tell it, and the reason that this is going to be a short and sweet one is because next week and then the week after that is going to be a two-part podcast that I recorded a few days ago with my buddy Ryan, who you guys have definitely heard before on previous episodes, and we just deep dive into the 1960 election and the 1964 election and a lot about LBJ and what the parallels are between what's going on now in this election and those, and it's it's just really interesting, and I think that you will really enjoy it if you listen to those, but they're a little lengthier than my normal ones, so again, why... Today's will be a little shorter. Um, make sure you are subscribed for those, though. They are going to come out next Tuesday, which will be the 27th of October. And then Election Day, the 3rd, will be the final part of the two-part podcast. Okay, so here we go. I'm actually going to read you this story. It is from PBS is where I saw it, and I found it very interesting. It was originally told by Harris Wofford, who advised the Kennedy campaign on civil rights and later became special assistant to President Kennedy. Some say that JFK's call to Coretta Scott King, which this story is about, changed the course of history. So as I said, this is going to be a red story, but really interesting, and the credit goes to PBS and Harris Wofford. Civil rights was a hot-button issue in the 1960 presidential election. Both candidates, Democrat John F. Kennedy and Republican Richard Nixon, cautiously courted black voters, afraid of losing the white Southern vote. And at the time, many African Americans from the South, including the influential pastor Martin Luther King Sr., planned to vote for Nixon. But a fateful phone call from John F. Kennedy changed the minds of many, and some may say, the outcome of the election. So here's what happened. On May 4th, 1960, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested in Georgia for driving with an out-of-state license. He was fined and released on probation. But five months later, on October 19th, King was arrested again during a sit-in at the lunch counter of Rich's department store in Atlanta. Upon release, he was charged with violating his parole from the prior arrest and sentenced to six months of hard labor. In the middle of the night, authorities took King from his cell in the local DeKalb County Jail, and he was chained and loaded into the back of a police car. They didn't even tell him where he was going. They drove for hundreds of miles in the dark to Reedsville State Prison. King later called the terror of that journey worse than dying. I cannot imagine how horrifying that had to be. At the time, as I mentioned before, Harris Wofford, a civil rights advocate and friend of Dr. King, was actually working for the Kennedy campaign. So from here on out, these are his words of what happened. The morning after Dr. King was taken to the state prison, I received a call from his wife, Coretta Scott King. She was six months pregnant. I had never seen her in a panic, but she was close to it. She said that she was afraid they were going to kill him. After I hung up, I discussed what to do next to my colleague, Lewis Martin. We knew the campaign wouldn't go for any kind of public statement, which might jeopardize the white Southern vote. So if John Kennedy could just call Coretta and say, we're doing everything we can, something like that, it might be a very good thing. Martin said, that's it. That's just right. So then Sergeant Shriver, who was married to Eunice, JFK's sister, so that made Sergeant, JFK's brother-in-law, was managing the campaign civil rights section. Wofford called him. So then Wofford said, well, what about Jack calling Coretta? And Shriver said, you know what, don't say anything more. He's out at O'Hare Airport about to leave, and I think it's the right thing to do. So hang up, and I hope I don't get arrested for speeding. 
So then Wofford says, according to Shriver, he got to the airport suite and Kennedy's whole team was there. He looked around the room and he thought to himself, if I should bring this up right now, it'll become a committee decision and nothing will ever happen. So he waited and waited and the plane was going to leave soon. But one by one, the advisors left the room and Shriver found himself alone with Kennedy. Then Sergeant says, you know, you've been trying to figure out what you could do that would help this situation, and you can't issue a public statement, but what about calling Coretta and conveying your sympathy? So Kennedy thought for a moment, and then he gave a good Kennedy grin and said, that's a very good idea. Do you have her number? Shriver had the number, and he dialed it, and Kennedy spoke to Coretta. And after that, things began to happen all at once. On the airplane, Pierre Salinger questioned Kennedy. He said, did you do anything when we were all out? And then Kennedy said, yeah, I called Mrs. Martin Luther King. His team went wild. So then Robert Kennedy called Wofford and Lewis and said, you bomb throwers have probably lost us the election. There are Southern governors who said that if we support Khrushchev, Castro, or Martin Luther King, they won't be able to support us. But then Coretta called Wofford and told him how much the call had meant to her and the reporters were asking her what was happening. Was she free to tell them about it? Wofford says, well, did he tell you that you couldn't tell the press? And Coretta says, well, no, he didn't say anything. And then Wofford said, well, I can't tell you what you should do, but whatever you think is right. Meanwhile, Daddy King, Martin Luther King's father and a Baptist minister, had gone wild with joy. He had been supporting Nixon. He'd had his name on an ad in an Atlanta newspaper opposing Kennedy because he was Catholic. But now, he changed his mind. He said, Senator Kennedy had the courage to wipe the tears from my daughter-in-law's eyes. I have the courage to vote for a Catholic, and I'm going to take my suitcase full of votes and put them in his lap. The next day, Robert Kennedy called Wofford, and he had phoned the judge in Georgia to get King released. Bobby said, going up to New York, I got so angry at that cracker judge sending Martin Luther King to jail and messing up our campaign. I called him and said, if you're a good Democrat, you will get Dr. King out of jail by sundown. And they released him. Now, Wofford and the team had to find a way to let the black community know what had happened. So, they couldn't issue a statement because Robert Kennedy had prohibited them from doing further publicity. But Lewis had the idea to create a pamphlet describing the phone call. And it was called the Blue Bomb. It even said on the front, no comment, Nixon, versus a candidate with a heart, Senator Kennedy, the case of Martin Luther King. Some two million copies were distributed to civil rights groups and black churches. The pamphlet led to a surge of unexpected black votes for Kennedy, which would make a big difference. Some say the difference on Election Day. Wofford saw Kennedy that Saturday before the election, and he was leaving for Boston, and he walked him across the tarmac to the plane. Wofford says he had his daughter, and Jack had Caroline, and it was a gorgeous day, and before that, he'd said nothing about the phone call. But then he did. Kennedy says, Did you see what Daddy King said? That he wasn't going to vote for me because I'm a Catholic, but now because of the phone call, he's going to vote for me? You know, that was a bigoted statement. Hell of a bigoted statement, don't you think? Wofford says, Yeah. And then JFK says, Imagine Martin Luther King having a bigot for a father. They continued to walk along. And then JFK looks at Wofford with a big grin and says, but we all have fathers. And a few days later, he was the next president of the United States. That is the story. I found it fascinating. Obviously, knew bits and pieces, but had never seen it put together so well and from someone's point of view that was obviously there and kind of made it happen. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and as much as I enjoyed learning about it. I hope you learned something new. And make sure you are subscribed for the next two weeks especially because I really think you guys are going to enjoy the two-parter I have coming out that will be starting next week. So have a great week, and I will talk to you all soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Kennedy, keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy.
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.